Welcome to episode 14 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I'm your co-host, the father, also known as Pastor Matt, and I'm joined as always by your trusty co-host, Jackson the Son, aka Jason Takes Manhattan's biggest fan, Fight Me Critics. Oh, I will. Uh, <laughs> we are typically a monthly podcast, but we are embarking on a franchise review of, or we have embarked on a franchise review of Friday the 13th. Why? Because as we're recording, we're creeping up on Friday the 13th, September 19th, 2019. So we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we review. So be warned. I can't imagine that there's a horror movie fan listening to us who hasn't seen all the Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> they may want to forget some of them, but it, just in case, we've already covered parts one and six in our previous podcasts, so you can go back and listen to that. And today we are looking at parts seven through nine. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Fantastic films. <laughs> so let's just jump into this with from 1988, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Friday, May 13th. It's Jason versus Tina. Don't go in there! The match made in hell. There goes the neighborhood. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, Rated R. Starts Friday, May 13th, at a theater near you. Okay, so Frank Mancuso Jr., who pretty much manned these movies from 3 through 8, really wanted to bring some energy into the franchise by doing a number of versus films. He initially wanted to do uh, Freddy vs. Jason here, but Freddie was still making a lot of money, a lot more money than Jason, and New Line wanted more money than Paramount was willing to give, and so that didn't happen for some time. So at the last minute, they decided to do basically Jason versus Carrie. Uh, would you say that's correct, buddy? Yeah, it's Jason versus Carrie without the copyright uh, yeah. holding right. Carrie. Right, so... Um, and we'll talk more about copyrights at the end of this podcast, about the legal things going on with Friday the 13th. But what are your thoughts initially just on Friday 13th 7, The New Blood? Well, this is the first Friday film that I watched all the way through. This is, I really? Think, yeah. So this is the first one I saw, and I used to love it. I used to, I was like, oh man, this movie is great. Um, my opinions have changed. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is basically part four done worse in my opinion, with a Carrie protagonist side plot. Um, Instead of Tommy, you have Carrie. Right. I, I think this is a lot of like, you know, you've got a main plot with your main characters, and then you've got a bunch of students that are living in a house near that like start to get killed by Jason. So it's kind of got that whole thing going on. But um, not a great movie. It's all very stereotypical. I think all the characters are really boring, with the exception maybe of uh, the main actress, who you know is basically playing Carrie, except not really Carrie. Um, sort of right. like in Austin Powers movies, where they're not allowed to have an actual character from another franchise, and they call them something that's like really, really close to being the actual name, like synonyms of the actual name. Right. But um, yeah, there are some really good parts of this movie, and I'll talk about that, but. Overall, mm, not great, especially compared to the movies we talked about before. I'm thinking four and six. I think 
those hit high that we're not going to see again for a while. Yeah, it's definitely a letdown after if you're going from um, six to seven. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is as much fun as six yeah. was. And so I saw this movie on opening night in the cinema. It was the first movie I ever drove to. I was turned 16 and took a bunch of friends to see this movie. I remember watching it and being a little underwhelmed. Um, I don't hate this movie, but I don't love it. Right. I I agree with you. I think the kids are pretty thin characters. Uh, Lots of not just stereotypical characters, but stereotypical kind of plot turns. You can kind of see what's coming. Yeah. And I hate the ending. Not as much as Mm -hmm. I hate the ending to eight, but I hate (laughs) it. Well, it was originally going to be a lot cooler than it is, but the ratings board was like, nah. Well, the ratings board and someone else, we'll talk about that here in a second. But um, I just, what does it have? Okay, it does have Crazy Ralph doing the voiceover Mm and the opening montage. I thought that was cool. Because Crazy Ralph was not actually crazy. He was actually a a seasoned theater actor. He was playing a part. Um, and it, it has, doesn't have the same ring to it, though. Season theater actor Ralph really doesn't, you know, no. grab people's attention. No. Um, and it does have Kane Hodder. Abs- yes, that's what I was going to bring up next. The, I, I think everybody's favorite, you know, Jason, because he's the person that leans the most into it, I think. He wants people to know, hey, I'm Jason, when he owns it. Yeah, this is, I mean... So you're saying you think Kane Hodder, he's the goat when it comes to Jason, that he is the best Jason. Yeah, I would. mm, Well, we see more of him, and I think that's what really makes a difference. We see more of Kane Hodder, and we get to know, like, his Jason and why he's distinctive. I think with other actors, we only got, you know, one movie. This is the first reoccurring Jason, and he did it for four movies. Um, So... I think it's just, it's mostly, if he had just done part seven and then they moved on to another actor, I don't think he would have reached the level of greatness, but his stunts in this movie are fantastic. I mean, I think of that 40 second burn where he sustained burn scars that he has to this day for that stunt. He's just such a, like, he's a trooper. He gets so much punishment in this movie and he does it just for, you know, for the craft. Yeah, well, he had burn scars on top of burn scars, right? Because that's what yeah. put him aside when he was a young stuntman. But yeah, he, he, I did hear him say on Casualty Friday, the Fangoria podcast, that this was his longest burn, was in part seven. And he fought to get this role. I mean, he, he knew the director. And let me go on record, because people butcher this poor guy's name, the director here. The way you pronounce his name, according to Kane Hodder and others, is... John Carl Beekler, not Buechler or Bueller or whatever. It's mm-hmm. John Carl Beekler. Um, and Beekler had, had before this worked primarily as a makeup effects guy. And that's how he knew Kane Hodder. Okay. So he knew Kane Hodder and they had done a movie right before this. I think it's called Prison, in which Kane Hodder's character had to eat live worms and oh. Hodder and he did it. Oh, no. <laughs> because they were going to bring back C.J. Graham from Part 6. Right. And then, you know, but Hodder fought for the role. He wanted it. And Beekler was so impressed with him that he gave it to him. So 
this, in your opinion, this is the best. I mean, how does he rank, though? I mean, because I know part four, the final chapter, is your favorite. And I thought Ted White did a great job in it. Yeah, Ted White is fantastic. But, I mean, we just don't, like I said, the thing that puts Kane Hodder ahead of the rest is that he stuck, you know, he stuck with the the franchise. And, you know, C.J. Graham, obviously, I think he would have been in more movies, you know, had Kane Hodder not stepped into the role. But when you get to movies like Jason X, and the fact that Kane Hodder's still there being Jason in this crazy movie that you wouldn't think would work out. I mean, that shows that he's devoted to it. And when he's at cons, it's obvious that he loves the franchise and that he loves interacting with fans, right? Yeah. I, the, yeah and look, I've seen some negative things about Kane Hodder on message boards. But you know, when it comes to people at conventions who do a lot of conventions, I always say, look, anybody can have a bad day. Yeah. You know, you don't know what was going on. Cut the people some slack. I've had a few people. There's a story they told on on how did this get made, where apparently Kane Hodder was signing autographs, and this woman walks up with her kid, and the kid is dressed up like Jason, and you know, and and the woman just kind of is like beaming with pride, and Kane looks up and goes twenty bucks, you know, for the autograph. It doesn't say <laughs> anything. Well, okay, maybe that was the end of the day. Who knows? You know what I mean? It's it, it's hard to tell. You got to cut some people some slack, but. Um, overall, yeah, you're right. I hear that the majority of fans say Kane is actually a really good guy and, and really easy to deal with. So, yeah, I, I like Kane Hunter. I'm not a big fan of uh, the breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the breathing thing is not a um, I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. And as we spoke last time, even C.J. Graham still gives Kane Hunter crap about that at conventions. Yeah, he's yeah. like, what's, you know, well, what's with the breathing? And so and they have a they have a friendly rivalry anyway, which we talked about last time. But I, I do like Kane Hodder. Um, and so now this film didn't really, you know, smash the box office like they hoped. And there's some different thoughts on why that is. Some people blame the lack of love for this film on the lack of chemistry between the leads. Uh, mm-hmm. Laura Park Lincoln, who played Tina. And Kevin, I think it's Spiritas, um, who played Nick, and they said primarily because there was no lot, not a lot of chemistry between the cast, because a lot of people call this Fry Gay the 13th, because a number of the male leads, <laughs> you know, uh, are gay. And, and, and so they've kind of blamed that. I don't buy that, because I've seen plenty of gay character or gay actors turn in performances that had chemistry with their leading lady. I mean, this isn't horror, but... You look at Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor and Giant. He was a gay man, you know. I I I don't buy that as the reason this doesn't go over well. I think I'm more with you with the script. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The I think the reason that this didn't do well is because people were getting tired of the franchise. I mean, you look at Part Eight coming along, and that didn't do very much money at all. And then, uh, you know, they just kind of ditched the franchise after that. I mean. That then that I think after eight, that's when it went over to New Line, right? Because they just were like, "This yes. isn't making any money here. Take it." Yeah, they they well, they sold the character of Jason to New Line. That's the reason why up until the reboot, you don't see Friday the Thirteenth on anything. Because mm-hmm. Paramount kept the title Friday the Thirteenth. They just sold the character of Jason to New Line. Ah, uh, okay, I see. And that's why you get Jason goes to hell, Jason X, Freddy versus Jason. That's why you get Jason, Jason, Jason instead of Friday the 13th. That was, that's part of the rights issue and all that kind of stuff. I gotcha. 
Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I understand. And yeah, so I think that's it's mostly a. I think it's a combination of people are tired of the franchise and also the script, and it's not a. I don't think it's a it's an inventive movie. I mean, there are some inventive kills. I think of the party blower into the eye, and um. Oh yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. All of all of the fights between, um, Tina and Jason are really awesome. Like j- just this seeing Jason take so much punishment. You're used to Jason, you know, giving out damage, but like he takes a lot of it. And this movie, like I think of the nails, you know, flying out and hitting him, and him falling back through the stairs and being hung from the ceiling and then falling into the basement. I mean, he takes a lot of damage, and it takes a lot to put him down. Um, set on fire the, he's electrocuted yes. he's hung he's exactly yeah. but th- what ruins all that for me is the fact that the thing that takes him down is tina's zombified um oh, dad yeah. coming out of the and and he would have he looks like oh he just took a stroll maybe got a little dirty coming down a hill and he's back now after 25 years he's just come out coming out of the water at this very moment to take jason down with him I don't understand why, and I, I think you were talking about this earlier, you're going to get into yeah. that, why they made him look so lame. I mean, he could have looked a lot cooler, I think, of uh, Pamela Voorhees in part three coming out of the water and Jason in part one. I mean, they know for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, a hallucination, right? Yeah, like, I guess. But how did she possible. how did she know about her his mother? So um, because hallucinations happen in your own mind. Um, That's true. <laughs> but that being said, um, yeah, apparently part of Frank Mancuso Jr.'s team, and at this point he had kind of moved from producer to executive producer, and he had a team of people that he put in to produce the movies. Um, one of them was not a fan of Friday the 13th, not a fan of horror movies. I think she went on to do movies like He Said, She Said with Kevin Bacon and, and uh, Elizabeth Perkins and Sharon Stone and stuff, or Elizabeth McGovern and Sharon Stone. Um, so this was not her cup of tea. She was there for one reason, one reason only really to make sure that it stayed on budget. Mm -hmm. John, uh, Carl Beekler and her did not get along at all. And they were constantly, uh, arguing. She kept saying that he needed to tame things and make it not so weird. She didn't want to tangle with the MPAA. She didn't want to, all that kind of stuff. Um, Beekler kept pushing, you know, wanting to push the edge. He blames, Beekler blamed, and he passed away a year or so ago, and God rest his soul. Um, he claims that the MPAA stuff, the lack of gore and all that stuff, that that's what ruined his movie. I don't buy that either. I just think it wasn't a very good script, and I don't think it was well cast. Um, but that being said, he originally had planned for the father to be you know, kind of Tina has these telekinesis has is it telekinesis that she has? Is that what it is? It's kind of telekinesis and that she can move stuff, but also it's like telepathy sometimes because she has visions of stuff and uh, can like see the future. I think it's just a, a she can do whatever. Basically, whatever's convenient for the plot, her mind can do. Right. And so she they uh, um oh boy. Um she can apparently resurrect people as well because her father's dead. Yeah. Uh, she I can mean, resurrect people. She, right. She can resurrect people. She can set stuff on fire. She can move stuff. She has visions. Um, it's. I think she's basically just 
like they were like okay we need a way for this movie to be super crazy and for it to also make some semblance of sense and they're like i know just make one of the characters a greek god and then it'll all come together but here's the thing it doesn't make any sense because it raises more questions than answers how does she have these powers how do the powers work why is jason just so okay with this he's like oh some random victim has psychic powers i guess i'll just keep coming after him who cares you know what i mean like like it's like he's seen this before yeah he doesn't act that confused does he i guess kane was thinking that jason just wouldn't be confused but it, you know, Beekler originally wanted Tina's dad to be resurrected out of the lake um, and to be covered just like Jason was in the dream in part one and, and so forth, covered in like lake scum. Just just mm-hmm. drenched and covered in, 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 you know, all kinds of nastiness. And they actually made him up and apparently they did shoot it. Mm-hmm. But... They didn't use it. And one of the reasons why is the producer on set thought it looked gross and thought people would be confused. They wouldn't know who the dad, who this was because it hadn't been seen since the beginning of the movie. Right. And so she insisted on that second shoot, which he shot, but never thought would be used. It was used. Beekler wasn't happy about it. It did make it into the movie. It doesn't make any sense to me at all because it looks like the dad, when he emerges from the lake to help take down Jason, looks like he just got up couch from a nap yeah <laughs> yeah it's like what have you been doing them down there for 25 years or whatever whatever amount of time it is you know just sitting at the bottom of the lake that's my pro- also have a problem with the people who say that jason was down there for that long like what are you gonna do in a lake for decades you know what i mean uh, well that's uh, beekler said that apparently it was a 10-year gap that he thought in his mind between um the end of six and and seven that doesn't make any sense either i mean Poor Tommy Jarvis is going to have some splaining to do. I mean, yeah. you've got dead cops everywhere. You've got bodies everywhere. State police sort of rolled in, and there is, you know, the sheriff's daughter and Tommy Jarvis saying it was Jason. Well, where is he? Well, he's in the lake. Aren't they going to, like, dredge the lake and bring yeah. him up anyway? Are they just going to leave him down there? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, none of this movie makes sense, but I guess that wasn't really what they were going for since secondary kills also secondary according to the ratings board <laughs> the important thing are teens being teens doing drugs having sex being killed yeah it, it's pretty formulaic i, I i'm I, i'm just not a huge fan of this movie um i i you know you do have bernie from weekend at bernie's you know <laughs> being kind of a, a weasel and, and you've got that but it's not much more so what other notes do you have on, on this flick? What else do you want to talk about, about part seven? Sure. Something of interest. Um, this was brought up, I think I saw it in uh, a Cinemassacre video, that the cover of the Friday the 13th game on NES is a screenshot from this movie, from part seven, with the axe raised above his head, um, which is kind of fun. But also, why did they choose a screenshot from this movie? You know what is I mean? that, is that maybe that's because it was the year it came out? I don't know. That might have been it, but also like, if you're trying to be top, I guess they they were trying to be topical, but like, can we reminisce about the good movies of the series? Can we think? Of, can we get a screenshot from Part Four? Um, at any rate, yeah, that that's interesting. Um, also, I'm thinking. I think, was, I think it was around the same time. I think it was probably part of the promo. I never played. I had a Nintendo back in the day. 
I never yeah. played the Friday Thirteenth Nintendo game because everybody told me it was garbage. Yeah, it's awful. Oh, it's it's just absolutely awful. Have you ever wanted to run around and do nothing, and then sometimes see Jason, and then after that do nothing? Well, that's that game. And the the game on the Xbox was like, let's let's do that, um, except have the not doing anything part taken out. Um, that move that game sucks, and I think it's partially because of the era when it came out. Uh, people were remembering the the old movies with nostalgia, so they were going to see the new movie and going to play the game blindly based on that nostalgia, even though everybody was saying that the movies were deteriorating in quality. Um, and I think the studio executives realized that nobody really cared until it came back to bite them with part eight. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I just remember just my friends who played like every Nintendo game saying that one was just awful. And I, I never, you know, I stuck to, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers and <laughs> Tetris and, and stuff like that. I didn't mess with it. The only cool thing that I, I learned about this movie was listening to Kane Hodder talk. He tells a story um, that one night when they finished shooting, um, his cabin, I guess, his cabin or trailer was you know, down the road from where they were shooting. And he took a shortcut through the woods, still in costume, and ran across a guy. Oh, and no. so the guy is the guy is out in the woods, you know, I don't know if he was hunting or whether he was setting traps or what I don't know what he was doing in Alabama in the in, in the woods in the middle, you know, late, late at night, almost morning. But and there's Kane Hodder and Jason and the guy asked him, said, Are you in the movie? And Kane Hodder didn't do anything, didn't say anything, because he thought it was the stupidest question he ever heard. <laughs> so he just sat there and stared at the guy. And so then the guy just turned around and ran. And uh, <laughs> I, I would have loved to have been there. That would have been fantastic. But what else do you want to talk about about Part 7 before we wrap up this turkey? Um, the kills in this one are all right. Um, they're kind of inventive, but they're cut down a lot. I mean, with the exception, and even the sleeping bag kill, that's the one that people most remember from this movie, and that's Kane right. Hodder's favorite kill, I think. The sleeping bag kill. Originally, didn't he hit it, like, three or four times until there was nothing but mush inside of the yes. sleeping bag? Yes. We only get to see one hit in this movie. The ratings board just thought that it was too much, I guess, but... Um, that that really sucks. A lot of these kills are off screen. Like the, I'm thinking of the kill um, with the the nerdy girl who decides to do that uh, Breakfast Club makeover. Um, she gets like killed entirely off screen. You you see like a first person perspective of the sickle or whatever it is coming down on her, but you don't get to see any actual carnage. They just cut a lot of it. Um, and it's funny because. The ratings board has got to, you know, protect us kids from seeing violence, but sleazy nudity is fine, I guess, because there's a lot of it in this movie. Yeah, it's it's funny, and I the ratings board is the ratings board. They were just reacting to parents' groups and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. the bigger problem for me is Paramount. They didn't keep the footage for an unedited release, yeah. and I can see that in the early 80s because VHS hadn't taken off yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for, you know, one, two, three, I can see that. But by the time four drops, there's a video store on every corner. Right. And so, you know, why they couldn't see that, that makes no sense to me. You know, yeah, to do an unedited version. Yeah. Th yeah. And this is 88 in which by this time, 
you know, you could buy VHS tapes for less than 20 bucks. And so mm-hmm. I, that makes no sense to me at all. Cause the, the footage was shot. Paramount just scrapped it and it's gone. Yeah. And that, that makes yeah. me angry. Universal is guilty of that too. They, they destroy a lot of really great historical stuff. They do, but it's, um, it, that, that to me is a problem, but Kane Hodder is actually on record saying he thinks the edited, um, Sleeping Bag Kill is better than the unedited one. Why is that? He just thinks it looks better. Hmm. Uh, maybe it was because he was swinging a mannequin that was packed for 40 gallons of blood, and maybe it just wasn't as seamless as he wanted it to be. Maybe he struggled with the last couple hits or something like that, but he, he says that he prefers the edited version. Well, all I know is that Jason X finally did it justice, I would say. Yeah, yes, it did. All right, so is there anything else you want to talk about this before we rate it? No, I think I'm good. I think I'm done with this movie. All right. Well, I will get, I think on Letterboxd, I gave this a 4.5 out of 10. I still called it a low priority rental. Um, It is something, and and I own it because I own the box set. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so do you do too. So we don't want to be hypocritical. We do own it. But I, if, you know, if you're a horror fan just now getting into Friday the 13th, um, if you don't have the time or funds to invest into this one, you're okay. Yeah. I wouldn't go so low as 4.5. It's a okay. six out of 10 for me. All right. All right. Um, that's it's not, it's not even close to the worst of worst of the series. And I think the lowest I would go on this is near the five range, but, um, yeah, this is fine. It's just, it's just formulaic. That's just biggest, it's biggest problem is that it doesn't do a lot of stuff with the Jason aspect of it, just that they thought, okay, we've got Carrie in there now, basically, so we can just do the same thing again. Yeah. Uh, I just can't objectively do higher that, that for my rating. So people know, I mean, like, uh, a, a one to, uh, and I won't go below a one. I'm not gonna give anything a zero. I don't think, but a one to like a 3.5 is an avoid mm-hmm. a four, uh, to a 4.5 maybe even up to a 5.5 is kind of a very low priority rental, you know, kind of a, a six to six to eight is, is a definite rental or a watch eight or above is usually a buy. Mm-hmm. So it's still in the, you know, I would watch it category, but I, you know, if you watch it once and you don't like it fine, if you watch it once you like it, whatever, but you should give it one watch, but I wouldn't, I just say I wouldn't make it a priority. Yeah. Yeah, I get that entirely. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up our review of Friday 13th Part 7, The New Blood. And that brings us to 1989's Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. The biggest city in the world is about to be scared. You're dead meat. Down to size. It's cool, man. It's cool. Friday the 13th. Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, rated R. Starts Friday, July 28th. Or is it Jason Takes Vancouver, you decide. Um, (laughs) Jason Takes a Boat. Yeah. Director uh, Rob Hedden wanted, asked Frank Mancuso Jr., could he take Jason out of Crystal Lake? And they decided they needed to do something to shake it up. They still couldn't get the versus thing going like they wanted. And so they said, sure. And so Rob Hedden decided on a cruise ship mm-hmm. in a lake yep 
uh, going to New York City? Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense to me. Um, folks, I don't know if you know geography, but uh, <laughs> uh, Camp Crystal Lake is supposed to be in northwestern New Jersey. <laughs> yep. Uh, which is actually not that far from New York City. Um, but there's no way you can get into a boat in northwest New Jersey and get to New York City. I'm not sure how that works. So when people have confronted um, Rob Hedden about this, he admits, he said, he didn't know either. He just decided he just let the fans figure it out. Mm-hmm. Which means... Did they? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. We're not I, doing I, our job right then. Oh, uh, I don't think so. I don't think that cruise ship was going to find a creek that led them across New Jersey. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Those tributaries that feed into the lake, you know, <laughs> somehow they're going to fit that, you know, 100 foot wide cruise ship just right up there. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, even Kane Hodder was confused by this and spoke extensively with the director. He was also confused by the ending, but we'll get to that. Um, who? What are your uh, initial thoughts on uh, Jason Takes Manhattan? All right, listen. Nobody likes this movie, but honestly, I don't hate it. Okay, <laughs> there are some really. Well, I know of a couple people who do love this movie. Yeah, well, there's I, some really cool. Lee Wolfman Josh and Bill Shetty love this movie. Does really? I believe well, I'm, so. in, I'm in good company then. But th- there's some really good kills in this movie. Um, I'm thinking like, uh, the, on the boat, when the guy's thrown from the mast onto like the weather vane, that's a cool kill. Uh, there are a lot of great, like emotionally charged kills. Um, there's a lot of cheesiness and awful puns, but that was kind of appropriate. That was appropriate for this era of Friday movies. I think part six, like had birthed this horror comedy saga and it wouldn't die until the remake. So, um, I'd cut this film's tone some slack, you know. It's it's not like it, it's a, it's a product of its age. Um, the cheesiness in this movie also uh, was it? Yes, <laughs> I think I was seventeen I, when this came out. I, I late eighties, late eighties yeah. horror movies. I think that's the cheesiness. Like, well, some, but I mean, you had the Hellraisers out there. You had Pumpkinhead. You had. You don't think Hellraiser is is cheesy? Not intentionally. Yeah. Okay. There, we'll get to that series at some point, but yeah, uh, the only problem with the first Hellraiser movie, especially, is that they cut Clive Barker's budget, and Clive Barker has admitted he had no idea what he was doing as a <laughs> yeah. first time director, and it shows at times. Um, but no, no, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you had Wisecracking Freddy and all other kind of stuff, but. But you also had some brutal stuff out there. You had some good stuff out there. You had kids getting run over by trucks in Pet Cemetery the same <laughs> year. You know, you had. So I'm uh, Jason on a boat going to New York City. There were other ways that could have gotten to New York City. Well, listen, listen. This the cheesiness of this movie laid the groundwork for Scream. Um, there wouldn't be a Scream if there wasn't if there weren't Wait cheesy horror movies. Time out. Time out. Time out. You're gonna tell me. <laughs> that without Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason takes Manhattan, we don't get Scream? No, but I'm saying that it gave Scream more to pull from. Oh, I don't see that at all. You're going to have to convince me here, because I, when I watch Scream, I can see that Kevin Williamson, because he and I are about the same age, that he was thinking, like, prom night, terror train, you know, yes. that kind of thing. 
yeah, but also, yeah, I mean, if Jason wasn't in the pop culture, uh, like relevance at that time, I mean, I guess he wasn't really relevant. But if his the cheesiness of the Friday the Thirteenth movies wasn't in the mind of the people, then the opening lines of the of of Ghostface wouldn't really make much sense. You know, who is the killer in Friday the Thirteenth? Everybody knows Jason at that point. You know, because Jason goes to hell is coming out, and um, uh, Jason X movies like that are coming out. At, you know, near well, that time, Jason is in the public is in the public eye. So, well, he was. I mean, Friday, Jason goes to hell was bombed, and you know it wasn't. I, I I really think Scream. We'll talk more about Scream at some point. It's more of a love letter to those early '80s video slashers maybe. that that were not intentionally campy or or you know that kind of thing. I, I you know some of them turned out that way. Sleepaway Camp. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they, it, it was necessarily done intentionally. Movies like The Burning and the first couple of Friday 13th, I think they were dead serious about the horror. Um, you know, I think Williamson's point was he loves those movies. He just always wondered, haven't the people in these movies ever seen these movies? I mean, I think that was the yeah. joke and scream. I don't think he was a big fan of like Jason Takes Man. And even no. you, and, you and I listen to like, uh, Eli Roth's History of Horror podcast, the unedited, where right. they have like Brian Fuller, who was the showrunner for Hannibal, and he talks about how much he loves the Friday Thirteenth movies, but he says that by the time you get here, the wheels have come off, and it's just they're just not objectively good movies. Yeah, but uh, if horror movies were all earnestly made and were all good, then I don't think we would have anything to parody in Scream in the Scream. No, I, I don't think they're necessarily always parodying it in Scream. I, I don't think. Scream 1996 is a is a parody. No. Uh, there are a couple points where the Weinsteins insisted on stuff that was kind of a parody. That was not Kevin Williamson did not want um, Wes Craven in a Freddy costume yeah. saying hi to the font. You know, he did not. That is not something Kevin Williamson wanted. I think that was the Weinsteins. But that you know, that being said, you know, look, I no, not all movies, horror movies, need to be earnest. I mean, some of them can be intentionally goofy. Like, I just rewatched The Army of Darkness recently. Mm-hmm. That's a goofy movie, but it's a, it's a great goofy movie. Um, that, that I'm okay with that. Uh, and not all are going to be good, no matter how hard they try. Um, the great science fiction writer Harlan Ellison was once asked about, you know, being a science fiction writer. He said, does it stink to be a science fiction writer, not to be taken seriously? He said, well, look, he said... 90% of science fiction sucks. He said, but quite frankly, 90% of anything sucks. True. And so I, no, I, you know, I, some horror movies are going to stink. And it looked like Rob Hedden, from the interviews I've seen with him on Camp Crystal Lake Memories and so forth, wanted to make a good movie. But he was more thinking, wouldn't this be cool? Mm-hmm. And, and if you have just a, a screenplay and a movie, which is just a collection of scenes that you just think would be cool, Mm-hmm. Sometimes it ends up being incoherent and weird. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay, so maybe my point was invalid there, but there's one thing you have to admit: that Julius versus Jason boxing scene is epic. Like, imagine Rocky yeah. versus Jason. Imagine a world where that had happened, and that is a scene. Okay, listen, I'm looking to market a whole series of movies. You know, Jason <laughs> fights Carrie. Jason fights Rocky. The possibilities are endless. Are you going to get into the fan film thing? Is that what you're doing now with Vengeance coming out? They're doing a sequel to Never Hike Alone. Is that where, is that where you're going? 
I maybe I don't know. Um, but th- <laughs> listen, th- there's a real market for this. You would see Rocky versus Jason, wouldn't you? On YouTube, <laughs> I wouldn't pay to go see it. I would. I would pay to go see Rocky and Jason go through the ringer. Um, oh, no holds barred. I would definitely, especially if Rocky punches Jason's head off into a dumpster. Uh, well, at this point, he's so old, he probably could, but that, you know, <laughs> that it would be now it would be, you know, Jason versus Creed. Um, so let's get back on point here. What do you think of the cast? Um, can you honestly uh, say these are good characters any better than seven? No, they're, in, I think they're more interesting. I don't think they're, I don't think they're better actors but i think they're better in the sense that they're inter- like julius i think is an interesting character i like the idea like the it's fact that bad. they kind of they kind of rise up against jason once they realize that there's somebody killing people on the ship they like grab guns and go after him you know so i think that's cool i think the fact that they earnestly try to like they make smarter decisions um than characters did in like part seven but yeah, they're they're just stereotypes. There there are a lot of stereotypes. But what do you expect? I've never seen a, a horror movie where every single character went against the mold. Do you know what I mean? This, well, this I would argue. Stereotype. I agree with that. Not every single one, no. But I would argue, like in part two, yeah, you've got much more fleshed out character. Sure. I feel like I know Ted. I know Paul. I know Jenny. I know Mark. You know, I know them. I, these these are just two thin and and cardboard and apparently they must be going to a private school because they're like 10 people in the graduating class either that was like a homeschool co-op or something well there were more people they just all died off screen i guess because remember at the dance party you know with the disco there were like 500 people in that room and then later on um they just drowned i guess in the boat <laughs> I, I, I don't know I no there there were more people but the only people that escaped there there like seven of them that make it out alive but um i mean they're all just jason fodder right i mean that's what people have come to see at this point and uh there are some creative like i said creative kills in this movie the guitar to the face the weather vane kill the fact that somebody is killed not by jason the the guy without his glasses just shoots a guy in cold blood thinking it's jason right um interesting stuff like that there's um like intrigue where um there's intrigue in this movie yeah the headmaster thinks that the deckhand is the killer um, cause he, I mean, he's not, I mean, but, he's got like I a mean, knife in his hand. If this was not a Friday 13th movie and we didn't see the killer, maybe that, you know, yeah. there's suspense and intrigue there. Well, it's we more know like, the killer is. it's more like you're in suspense because he, the, you know, I don't, is he the headmaster? Is he the principal? What, what's going on with him? I don't know. I guess he's a teacher, but, um. He's a jackhole, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's. I think it's more suspenseful just because he thinks that the deckhand is the killer. That's who he's looking for. But really, there's well, a the deckhand is the crazy Ralph in this one, right? Yeah. Um. Well. Okay. This movie it does have some interesting ideas. It was not executed well. The budget was tiny compared to the other movies at that point, right? I mean, six and seven compared to this movie, they didn't just not. They just didn't have the budget. They weren't getting, they were getting diminishing returns, so they couldn't shoot any of this really in New York except for like three shots. It was mostly just, you know, back alleys in Vancouver, um, but um, 
I don't really mind. Honestly, I don't know what New York I, is. I don't like. mind the, I mean, I know that's the joke, and I opened up with it. Jason goes to Vancouver, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't mind that. And I've heard people say it doesn't look like New York City. Got, look, I've been to New York City probably 50 times in my life. <laughs> I've been there a lot. Um, it, it didn't look so bad, especially because most of it were in cramped quarters where you couldn't tell, like, the mm-hmm. diner or something. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't have a problem with them shooting in Vancouver. And Kane Hodder says one of the best times he ever had was shooting in Times Square as Jason. Oh, I'm sure that was amazing. And the uh, fact that he gets to walk through and kick the uh, stereo that the punks are listening to, that's great. Yeah, he's like, it, a, he's like um, a walking myth of this legend. I mean, uh, at this legend. He's a walking legend at this moment. There you go. It's yeah. He had a lot of fun. He was just like people snapping pictures of him turning around and glaring at them and had just having fun being Jason in Times Square. And so that part is cool. Um, now I'm still not sure how Jason actually got there. Yeah. Um, Jason's got a heck of a sense of direction. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm well, not I mean, sure, he can I'm find sure his way. I want to go to New York city. He's always been kind of a country boy. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why it's a fish out of water tale. Fun, family friendly fish out of water movie. It's just like Crocodile Dundee. Okay. Um, exactly. So I, I, I will give it this. I think it had a cool trailer. I haven't uh, seen the trailer. Uh, the trailer is the one where you've got the New York City skyline and Frank Sinatra playing, and then you turns around, the guy looking at the skyline is Jason. Yes, that's pretty cool. It does have a really cool poster. I will agree with Wolfman Josh that the poster for this one is really cool. Um, but I, I, I think parts of it are fun. I've, I've seen it many times, so obviously I don't hate it that much. But it's not object. You cannot tell me as an aspiring filmmaker that objectively this is a good movie. No, it isn't. But it's also objectively a lot of fun. I think I had more fun with it than you did. You were like, oh, there's some fun moments. This is a fun movie overall. Just watching these characters, mm. you know, trying to figure out, why is there a masked brute on our boat? Okay, why is he in Vancouver now? You know what I mean? Like, it's funny. It's it's really, this is a comedy movie. Can we be honest here? This is an, you this you think this is a comedy? Yes. This is, a, this is a comedy horror, not a horror comedy. This, like I said, part six started this like horror comedy it started out as horror comedy and by the time it got to part eight it was comedy horror and i think that's really solidified when you get to like freddy versus jason i I don't see that i don't see that i i i I just don't see that it's a horror comedy or a comedy horror i I think it's absurd and so i think people want to take it that way like yeah like a movie like nail gun massacre or something like that yeah which I laugh at, and I don't think they wanted me to laugh at it. I just think it's laughable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I, uh, uh, there are parts of it that are fun. I'm a fan of the franchise, so I, you know, I watch it when it's If I'm flipping around, it's on. I'll watch a scene here or two. But I, I just don't think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great cast, with the exception of the criminally underused Kelly Hugh mm-hmm. is in this movie. And she's barely used. I mean... I don't understand that at all. She, you know, she would go on, of course, be in, do TV and the Scorpion King and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's a great movie. Can we talk about the ending? Yeah, that sucks. I remember <laughs> hearing about that ending 
um, before I'd seen the movie, years before I'd seen the movie, I think um, one of my friends was like, oh yeah, you, uh, Jason turns back into baby Jason. And when I heard that, I imagined like an actual baby. <laughs> like a like a baby baby like in swaddling clothes just laying in the sewer, but then when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's kind of lame. It's a kid with a bowl cut. Um, uh, which Jason has hair. Uh, well, and he's also not a mongoloid, is he? I don't think yeah. he is. No, and, he's just a regular looking kid with a bowl cut. I mean, so as they say, as somebody who was interviewed in the Camp Crystal Lake Memories. Should the EPA be looking into the benefits of toxic waste? <laughs> I guess so. It, it does wonders for them. I mean, it made them de-age. Yeah. It's, it's, youth. A, it's a moisturizer, right? Anti-wrinkle cream. It, it cures deformities. It's the fountain of youth. Yep. Oh, uh, okay. I can't. And I got to say, before we move on, I've been listening to Jay of the Dead's new um, podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, not considering the cinema. I don't know if you saw that he's got a, another one. Yeah, just... I heard that. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a new one. I want to give it a, I do want to give it a shout out. It's Horror Movie Weekly, and they just released their second episode today. And I just want to support Jay, of course. And, um, but he has Bill Shetty on there. Bill Shetty's been podcasting for a long time. Um, I'm sure he's a wonderful man, but. Uh, for those of you who know anything about college basketball, you understand this. Bill Shetty is the uh, Billy Packer of horror movies. Always wrong, but never in doubt. And <laughs> um, he tries to be crazy. And Bill Shetty defended this movie, Friday 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan. He defended this movie on Horror Movie Podcast. And then last week on Horror Movie Weekly, he tried to tear apart Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, can someone explain that to me? Is that he can't get behind Halloween 2018 because it doesn't make sense, but the getting on a cruise ship in Crystal Lake and going to New York City is perfectly logical? Um, well, let me... Uh... <laughs> it doesn't work, man. Come on, even Sean Cunningham has said, you can't make sense of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what these movies have ever been about real i mean have these movies ever been about logic i don't think so well, i don't think part, part I, I two think is that, just kind of like even should be, but um uh, we'll talk more about that next week i think they should be i think they should be i don't think they should insult our intelligence or take us for granted um but you know i'm sure bill shetty would say something oh but you know halloween's based in the real world and this is <laughs> no, it's not michael myers is a boogeyman i mean no mm-hmm. you know he's he gets up after not talking for 15 years and drives a car <laughs> is that no 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 give me a break man never so, forget that jason can drive a car too he's in he's part the, two he had to yeah what else is he gonna do with that cop car just leave it there with its lights on Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a skilled driver. Oh, I don't yes, understand two, why he didn't. Which is why two is the best Jason and the best Friday the Thirteenth. Isn't he the same Jason as he is here? Not in my book. <laughs> oh, okay. So you separate these into two separate canons: the good movies and the bad ones. Yes. <laughs> I will watch. Me. I will watch part one and two anytime. I I will deal with. The really bad inconsistencies with three, I think fun is four, uh, four is fun, sorry. Five, <laughs> I, I, we talked about five, but you know, five and six, 
Yeah, well. Pick up sticks. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever. But I do think the wheels are starting to fall off at this point. And mm-hmm. I don't like this movie. I will just say that there are parts of it I like. I do own it because I bought the box set. But I'm giving it, I waver between a 3.5 to a Ooh. 4 out of 10. Ah. Uh. And I say it's a watch only for Friday 13th fans and everyone else should mm. avoid it. Doing my man wrong. This is <laughs> not... I would love to give this movie a 10 out of 10, but... Oh, if, come on. If I'm being honest, if I'm being 100% if this honest... this is the kind of movie that I'm going to help you get through film school to make, I'm disowning you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. If I'm being 100% honest, this is a 5 out of 10. I would not go 3.5. I think that's way too low. There's a lot of good there's a lot of acceptable (laughs) choices in this movie um and i think they were trying now when we get to the final friday those choices became more questionable but for this one i would say that this is a low priority rental and that it's a five out of ten okay well that brings us to the new lines attempted revival of jason from 1993, we jump into Jason Goes to Hell. Horror has many faces, but pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 13th at a theater near you. Uh, okay. This is one, you know, do, our, our friend Dave Becker, Dr. Shock, he likes to say that uh, the fourth Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw, the next generation, mm-hmm. that he vowed never to watch that movie again. <laughs> this is one I also vowed never to revisit. I did it for you, pal, because this is where oh. the franchise goes to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure this is the worst one? This is the worst one. Uh... This is the worst one. Jason <sighs> Goes to Hell is the worst Friday the 13th movie, period. Why? It's, it's garbage. Not even garbage. It's garbage. I like um, it. You like it? I like it. I had fun with it, okay? It doesn't make any sense, and it comes out of nowhere. The mythology in this one is so weird. But listen, when Jason is in the movie, he's really good. And when he's not in the movie, it's fine. It's like uh, any other, you know, 90s slasher. I think it's just okay. This was, now the director, to be fair, Adam Marcus, was a young Friday 13th fan when he made this. I think he was on mm-hmm. like 23, fresh out of film. Right. Um, in his defense, he had a couple things going against him. Um, he had a directive. This is where Sean Cunningham gets back into the picture. Mm-hmm. Sean Cunningham gave Adam Marcus one directive. He wanted a Friday the 13th movie that didn't focus on the blankety-blank hockey mask. Mm-hmm. Sean Cunningham hated the hockey mask. Right. So Adam Marcus had to figure out how do I do this without an emphasis on Jason and the hockey mask. And so he goes this route where apparently Jason did drown and was possessed 
by the slugs from Night of the Creeps or the Hidden or, <laughs> or whatever. It's disgusting. The thing coming out of him, I mean, there's black heart. I don't even think the deadites from the Evil Dead would look at that black heart and be like, <laughs> mm, nobody's. It's disgusting. I will give it this. The opening scene is cool. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. bonkers, but it's cool. Uh-huh. From there on out, it. zero sense. Well, the opening didn't really make much sense either. If the FBI is aware of Jason's whereabouts and know exactly his, like, uh, like what he does, then why have they not stopped him? You know what I mean? Like, if they're aware of everything that happens to Jason, like, or everything about Jason, and they know how to stop him, why haven't they in the last eight movies? Also, didn't Jason get reverted back to a kid at the end of part eight? Why is he back to himself and looking more grizzled than ever? I don't know. This movie, you've got Jason hopping bodies, going after a sister we never knew existed, <laughs> Halloween 2 ripoff, and her kids, Halloween 4 and 5, and he's being hunted by a bounty hunter who's got a magical dagger, and <laughs> he finds his sister, but then he kidnaps somebody else to take a new body and and then shaves them? Yeah, okay, listen, I will defend that bounty hunter. Creighton Duke is the best character to come out of the franchise in three movies. That doesn't say much. Um... <laughs> well, I mean, he's Creighton Duke. <laughs> I mean, he's got the best lines in any Friday movie. And I will fight anybody. He does? Yes. I love... Um, now, say the first, Now, what do you think of when you hear the words Jason Voorhees? Well, that makes me think of a little girl, what did you say, in a pink dress, sticking a, hamb- uh, a hot dog through a donut. What um, does that make? <laughs> that I don't know, but sense. I love it. I also love the scene where um, Jason's niece's baby daddy is in jail with Creighton Duke, and Creighton Duke uh, trades information for broken fingers, um, which is a great scene. Uh, it's I'm, not a great scene, because it's stupid. It's just so stupid. I love it. I love uh, everything about it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. So dumb. It's I love just, it. It's a oh, comedy. It's a comedy movie. Dumb. This is a comedy movie. This is a comedy. Yes. This is a comedy. Yes. If this is a comedy, Spielberg's Lincoln is a comedy. This is not a comedy. <laughs> How isn't it a comedy? It's not a comedy. It's just stupid. It's just there is so dumb. much. There is so much um, stuff that had to have been intentionally funny. All of the things that Creighton Duke says. I don't think so. There's a reason the things... why the director didn't do a lot of work after this. I think it was just because it's just bad filmmaking. I think it suffers from the exact same thing. That Jason Takes Manhattan was, it was a couple of guys who've been given a few million dollars to make a Friday 13th movie and like, hey, hey, you know what would be cool? (laughs) 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 Beavis and Butthead? (laughs) Yes. It says if if Beavis and Butthead made a Friday 13th movie, it would be Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah, I don't know. I think there'd be more fart jokes in it. (laughs) Maybe they can. I like it. I like it, and I like it because it's a fun time. It's not fun. Listen, 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 listen. I'm going to clarify. I saw the unrated version on my DVD, which had some of the best gore of the franchise. So um, that may have influenced my opinion a lot. 
I mean, there are some great kills in the unrated version. The I think of the guy, his body is melting because Jason's soul has escaped him, and he slowly melts into the floor. That's a great scene. Also, when the assistant, um, uh, what do they call them? The 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 doctors in the morgue who di- who do anatomies. I forget. The yeah, the coroner. Yeah, coroner. The assistant coroner gets his face smashed up against the the t- the grate of the table and and the skin goes through it. That's a cool kill. And and the fact that Kane Hodder kills himself, or I guess it's not really Kane Hodder at this point. It's a possessed coroner. But Jason kills himself. He kills Kane Hodder, which is an awesome part of the movie. There's some good uh-huh. gore. And all right, I'm not a gorehound. I'm fine with it, but I'm just not a gorehound. It's not, you know, you can do a movie like Texas Chainsaw and Halloween, which has almost no gore. I find it a lot scarier. I don't, it, I, uh, I hate this movie. I just hate this movie. I mean, J- Jason hopping bodies, the ending with the demons and the souls being released because yeah. he's now what Freddy Krueger from Well yeah well now <laughs> hey y- you cannot tell me that you did not get excited watching Freddy's glove come up and drag Jason's mask down to hell No cuz it doesn't make any flipping sense it's sure it's it all does. nonsense it doesn't Freddy's make any dead sense. Freddy's dead he's in hell Jason's in hell Makes but perfect sense to me. If you watch Freddy's Dead, actually, Freddy's, we don't know where he's at. He just made this deal with these whatever they were to kill people. He had some kind of bargain he made. I don't know. It, yeah, I mean, this. both of those movies suck. Freddy's Dead sucks. <laughs> it sucks. They I like this I like this more than Freddy's Dead, to clarify. That doesn't say much. I mean, these, 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 it, this movie makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, it's just awful. You're a purist, aren't you? I, I, I can I just am. have fun with a movie. I can have fun with a movie where they're intentionally... I, here's how I can have fun with a movie. If it's just so, so bad, it's ridiculous. Like Nailgun Massacre, which I show to people at parties. I'm like, you have to see this. Um, the people who made this had head injuries. Um, you know, and so it's, it's fun that way. If it's just intentionally ridiculous, mm-hmm. like the Evil Dead movies... You know, I'm okay with that. But no, I mean, the director's on on records. He was trying to do something serious. He wasn't trying to do a comedy. He was just trying to do something. He was just trying to do a cool Friday 13th movie. And it just turned into a turd. (laughs) Mm, I guess. But there's some some good original ideas. I respect the fact that this young filmmaker was fighting against all odds to try to make a movie that was unique. Uh, and I think he succeeded. Think about the, the plot it's not of... Unique. It's He steals from A Nightmare on Elm Street. He steals from The Hidden. He steals from all these other different movies, you know, and the only common factor is you. there's Jason in a mirror. I mean, it's just... And the well, demon thing that comes out of Jason's neck or whatever it is, and the... Oh, my gosh. Great artists steal. And I think there's there's a lot of... Even though it's influenced a lot by a lot of you know other movies there's some great original stuff not original but these to the franchise the plot with um uh the i don't even know what his name is but he's the father of the youngest Voorhees child the newly born Voorhees child whatever his name is he's the main character of the movie basically right. so i shouldn't yeah. say but um adam maybe kind of yeah it's, um, it's kind of like the final couple right yeah well yeah so this 
listen, that plot line with people thinking he's the one that's killing people, I kind of like that. Where he's got to stop Jason and clear his name. That hasn't been seen so far in the franchise. I think that's really good. Oh, and Barbara's had to clear his name. Yeah, but people didn't... Mm, did people really think that he was doing all the stuff that Jason was doing? The sheriff did. Okay, well, nobody in their right mind actually would believe that... that Tommy Jarvis could inflict the absolute massacre that that Jason can as a seven foot tall hulking uh, zombie. I I think this was should have been Steve Dash and with a back head from two on. But yeah. anyway, I, I I I hear what you're saying. I just this is a terrible movie. I mean, I I was I was reviewing movies among other things. I worked on my college newspaper right when this mm-hmm. came out. I didn't get to see this on opening weekend because I had something else going on. Um, I think I went to a concert or something. And so I get back Monday morning and go into the office for our staff meeting. And there was a guy named Phil who also wrote movie reviews. And he saw this on opening night and wrote a review for that week's paper. And I said, how is Jason goes to hell? He said, do you remember uh, Freddy's dead? I said, yeah. He goes, almost as bad as that. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, and he and I, I got. I don't think it's that day. bad. It is that bad because it, it's not. It's not like a parody of itself. I think it's it's trying something original. Yeah, and it failed. <laughs> so, Maybe so not everything. You know, you can look, man. You can say, hey, you know, let's put, you know, uh, mayonnaise and ranch dressing and ketchup all together <laughs> and put our French fries in it. You may okay, it. bringing the food analogy into this. All right. Doesn't mean it's gonna be good, man. Yeah, well, I I like it. There's nothing that can change my mind. It's not a good movie, but I had fun with it. I think that the fact that this was a in the hands of a of a new director with a new studio, and that this was their first outing, I think it's interesting because I mean, it does away with a lot of the tropes that were really prevalent in Part Seven and Part Eight which kind of made the movie boring. I mean, I, th- I don't think this movie is boring. I don't think Jason Goes to Hell is boring one bit. It's nonstop. I mean, it's, it's tight. It's an hour and 27 minutes, so it's just underneath that 90-minute mark. It's a tight movie. Moves along fast. It was too long to me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is an opinion podcast. I know. I'm just saying, I'm telling you my opinion. It's, it's too long for me, but... All right. I'm glad you liked it. I didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 my, my opinion I might change. Remember, I, I liked part seven a lot. So yeah, First time. I give it a two out of ten, and I call it an avoid. It's an avoid. Two avoid. out of ten? Two out of ten, stay away from it. Uh, my, I'm giving it a five out of ten low priority rental. This is not that bad of a movie. It's not. If you go into it expecting it to be super bad... Um, then you're going to be disappointed because it's not laughably bad. It's just like bad in a like mediocre kind of way, I think. But there are some interesting ideas to it. Uh-huh. Um, I would recommend that you see it at some point, oh. it, especially if you're a Friday the Thirteenth fan, because this this will question your make you question. I don't know, whatever. The reason for existence. That's what it make you question. I've had <laughs> bouts of food poisoning that were more enjoyable than this movie. Oh no. I feel so attacked. Oh, no, I love you. You, you know, hey, I'm the one who bought you the DVD because you wanted to see it. So I, <laughs> all right, man. But nah, I got to say avoid. So you say five out of 10, low priority. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we will hopefully wrap up this franchise review next week. We will discuss 
uh, Jason X, Freddy versus Jason, and the 2009 reboot. We'd also, uh, we're going to talk about how we'd like to see the franchise moving forward. And here's the reason why the franchise is not moving forward. It's been a couple years ago, just three years ago, Paramount was planning on a new Friday 13th movie and TV series with Sean Cunningham as the executive producer. What happened was Victor Miller, the writer of the original Friday 13th, sued for the rights. And so it's been in court. I happen to think having looked at the legal arguments that Victor Miller may end up winning this. Um, the way copyright work, way the copyrights, I can't get it out, works is this. If you're a screenwriter and you write a script, even if it's a, what's called a script for hire, here's mm -hmm. the story I want. You go write it, you know, and I'll pay you this much money. If you do that, um, then you really basically don't have the right to, you do have the right to stuff in your screenplay. If you're part of a production company writing, like you say, you're part of a, you're a staff writer for a TV show, then you don't have the rights to anything. You, you work for the company to produce content. But if you're an outside kind of agent for hire, then you can argue that you created the content and therefore you have a right to it. And that's, right. what Victor, that's what Victor Miller is arguing. So he, Victor Miller is trying to get the rights to Jason and also to Friday the 13th. Sean Cunningham is arguing, no, that wasn't the deal. He wasn't even a SAG writer at the time, all that kind of stuff. I think Victor Miller is going to win that. I think he's going to own Friday the 13th, so we'll see where it goes from there. Um, Victor Miller won the very first court case, and it's now on appeal. And, of course, it's taken three years because that's how the federal courts work. So... It's going to be a while before we get anything official. That's why you've seen so many fan films pop up. Right. Because you can do a film as long as you don't spend more or make more than $50,000. You can make a fan film and don't use the name Friday the 13th. Uh, you can still use the characters and so forth. And that's why we've got a, mm. we had Never Hike Alone. We've got a brand new one coming out called Vengeance, where C.J. Graham is in the movie. And really? Tom, and he's not Jason, he's, he, but he's in the movie. And Tom McLaughlin right. is a consulting producer, the guy who wrote awesome. and directed Six. That's coming up. So anyway, be looking out for that. Um, also, I will uh, next week report on my trip to Camp Nobibosco. Yes. I'll uh, get into uh, New Jersey on Thursday, uh, fly into Newark, and then drive to Blairstown. I'll be touring Blairstown Thursday where they shot the town scene scenes from like Annie's walk and all that kind of stuff from Friday 13th. And this is, I just found this out this weekend, uh, listening to another podcast that Jason fest is going on in Blairstown all weekend. Ooh. And so, yeah, so I'll be doing that on Thursday. And then on Friday, I will spend Friday the 13th at the original camp crystal Lake with Tom Savini, Harry Manfredini, Adrian King, Robbie Morgan, Ron Milkey, who played the police officer, if you remember him from Friday the 13th, mm -hmm. uh, Janine Taylor. And they just announced three special guests, but they Ooh. haven't revealed who they are. But I do know that Tom McLaughlin, C.J. Graham, and Ari Lehman are all going to be in town for Jason Fest. Oh, okay. They that's, may be special guests. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Suspicious timing. Yeah, and so I got to do the tour all day on Monday and uh, Monday afternoon, meet the cast and crew, get autographs and pictures, have dinner with them, and then watch the movie with them on set. So I'll report awesome. back 
on that. So with that, I think we're about done. Jackson, where can people find you on the socials? I am on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero12. On Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. And I also have a YouTube channel, which is linked in the bios of both of those sites. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. So uh, you can also, everybody can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as Pastor Matt R. You can also find our website, fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. And we are on Twitter as Father and Son Horror. And we have a closed Facebook group. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate a five-star review. We really would. And who knows? We may have uh, may have a few giveaways after I get back from Camp Blood. I may bring some oh. things back to our listeners. And so, um, so check back next week as we wrap up our Friday Thirteenth franchise review. So, all right, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, and remember, stay out of saunas. <laughs> Uh, among other things we can thank the franchise for, like, uh, yeah, 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 like, uh, Johnny on the spots, uh, portable toilets and, uh, campgrounds and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Lots of things. Uh, all right. Well, folks, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. And remember the family that watches horror movies together stays together.